Welcome to the 9642 Podcast. This is your host, Mr. Number 9. And this is the full. Hello everyone there. Now, if we were still doing our old style of intros, I might be calling this Welcome to the History and uh, Geopolitics Podcast. This is your host, <laughs> Mr. Number 9. Yes. But we're not going to quite go that far. Uh, we had intended to do a podcast related to football, maybe a bit of cricket, maybe even rugby. A multi-sport yeah. and, you know... Re- the world and real life got in the way. Yes. Uh, we are going to talk very specifically how the world and real life has affected the fool's beloved Chelsea Football Club. The biggest news to happen to the Premier League this month is related to the biggest news to happen to the world in the last month. <laughs> uh, Roman Abramovich, to avoid sanctions, had handed over... Uh, stewardship of Chelsea to a tra- to his charitable fund. Yes. Now I've have listened to a bunch of podcasts where the there is no legal definition of what stewardship is. Yeah. <laughs> Which comes down to this is not a power of attorney. This is not a trust with them as directors. There's no such things. They're stewards. They're looking after it. Um, the courts would decide what that means if there ever comes down to an issue like they spent Roman Abramovich's money on things that you know he wouldn't want to spend it on, yeah. for example. Or whether well, or not they are allowed to spend his money if he is sanctioned, for ex- yeah. example. It has gone a step further in the last week because he is now, I think it's last yeah. week, he said he's going to sell now. Um, he though is looking no, to sell. Yeah, yeah. There's no timeline on that. Or anything, um, though he did say that pretty much all the profit would um, go to the charitable trust. He wasn't going to take us into the profit, which I thought was pretty, yeah, pretty cool. Um, yes. But... So that vague, yeah, that original vague situation was never going to fly legal muster, as most even yeah. football blogs talked about and said, yeah, not this doesn't mean anything and I don't think the authorities are going to fall for it and I'm sure Roman Abramovich thought the same and it was just he's now decided on. To it. Right. it was like let's yeah. see if it would uh, work like is this okay like I still want to be it I just don't want you know this to be a problem yeah. uh, it's still going to be a problem fine I'm selling yes I mean if in many ways uh, not saying him per him personally or uh Brimovich that is, or Chelsea fans personally, but Chelsea Football Club as an institution are one of the most successful public marketing fronts for the Vladimir Putin and the Russian you know, rulership and because uh, yeah. he's the world, he's probably the most famous yet least known <laughs> oligarch he's, you could, there's almost nothing you can tell about from uh, you know Abramovich's uh, life that can be verified, other than he used to sell rubber ducks <laughs> at some Very point, much. and that money was enough for him to buy an oil company, supposedly. Supposedly, yes. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, there's a bunch of in, um, there's a bunch of rumors and things. This is the story I have heard. Um, you're a Chelsea fan, so you can tell me what you've heard or if anything I said has been contradicted. My understanding is during the Boris Yeltsin era. Do you remember that? You surely remember Boris Yeltsin. Yes, of course. Um, to our younger readers, he's the first president of Russia. Uh, the Russian Federation after its independence from the Soviet Union. Mm. And that is all I'm really going to say about him because it's so complicated that we just... This will become the history podcast if I go back, <laughs> go into any more depth than that. So anyway... Yeah, there, there's a lot of complications there. A lot, a lot of complications. In his regime, during his regime, state-owned enterprises like gas companies, oil companies, etc., etc., were bought by various oligarchs at at least what everybody seems to think is very cut prices. Roman Abramovich, supposedly a rubber duck mogul, bought uh, a gas company, I want to say, some sort of petrochemical company. And I'm, mm. I could be wrong. It could be an oil company. I think um, oil, not gas, but I might be, be wrong yeah, as well. One of the, one of one the of car, hydrocarbons, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hydrocarbons, energy carbons, you know, there he bought yeah. those, that company for about a hundred million in the 90s, which is you know, still a lot of money back then. I mean, sure, it's still a lot of money now, but it was more money back then. But yeah. the supposed price for those companies back then were around the $2 billion mark. They're well worth, his holdings are well worth in the tens of billions of dollars now. Yeah. Um, suggest. So, yeah, there's a. So basically, from what I've been told, Vladimir, when Vladimir Putin came into power in Russia, he kind of spoke to all the oligarchs in a meeting on a yacht and kind of said, look, I effect, effectively the previous regime let you steal Russia. Um, so I want you to give pay something back to the state and we're going to work together. Otherwise, you know, I'm going to do what Russian leaders do when they have troublesome rich people <laughs> in their country. Yeah. Uh, once again, I'm not getting into a history podcast here. You can Google this stuff. I'm not. Yeah. You know, this is very much the pop culture outside influence looking in into Russian history. People from Russia can uh, can probably tell you much more accurate things. And I'm just only telling you what I have been told. And how it's been explained to me by yeah. various sources. And um, a lot of those oligarchs disagreed. A lot of them had to go west with their money and, like, you know, turned over. A bunch of them, after seeing how, well, how he dealt with various problems plaguing Russia after the collapse of communism, decided, okay, we can still be rich and work with him. And, yeah, we've got our current status quo. Um, and Vladimir Putin is one of those people who decided not to shake the boat, not to go up. But he also, um, now it's very important to mention, he is the only Jewish oligarch in Russia. So mm. he's not part of the Orthodox Church. He's not part of the old communist system, working in yeah. the party like uh, the others. He is from a minority. Um, sure. Russian people, Jewish people in the Soviet Union were more integrated than in a lot of other uh, countries. Uh, but he um, he's a bit of an outsider, so he decided to... Apparently, the 
the thinking is that he decided to not put all his eggs in one basket. He was like, sure, Putin, I'm totally not going to oppose you, but I'm also going to take a huge bunch of my money and invest it in the West where you can't take it away from me. Yeah. And that big investment was football. He was already a football club owner. I believe he owned at least, I don't know if he fully owned it, but he owned at least a part of um, one of the uh, Moscow clubs. Um, Zenit, I think. Was it Zenit? Okay. It might, uh, if it's Zenit, it's Zenit. Um, but it was yeah. a club that was in the Champions League at the time because he had mm. to sell those shares because Chelsea qualified for the Champions League. Yeah, yeah. pretty sure it was Zenit, but I might be wrong. Once again, might be wrong, but that's my Yeah, memory. yeah. Once again, there are some facts in here that are going to be inaccurate, so just yeah. bear with us. Like, this is going off memory and information that we yeah. don't know. But he basically, uh, Chelsea was his plan. Maybe a plan A and a half, if that makes sense. He always yeah. he never got rid of his oil holdings. He kept st- like be, he kept not publicly doing anything to undermine the Russian regime, and he also made it really big in the West buying Chelsea. And I think by all circumstances, Chelsea turned from being a investment to a hobby to a real passion project. I don't yeah like I, yeah um there's not. Not everybody agrees with how he runs Chelsea, and there's definitely problems in their way, but they are one of the best-run clubs in world football. Yeah. The system of being consistently successful, regardless of the manager and everything. Um, I've always told people that Roman Abramovich didn't revolutionize football in the UK or and Europe uh, full stop by being the first manager to co- uh, to come in with lots of money. We've always had rich billionaire owners in football spending yeah. lots of money. In fact, Blackburn Rovers did it. AC Milan was owned by Silvio Berlusconi. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look him up. Google him. <laughs> yeah, he actually existed, young people. <laughs> He's a real person. <laughs> None of the things on that Wikipedia page are made up. No, no, they're not. That's all I have to say about him. But yes, the he did start it. He took over Chelsea, and a lot of people were kind of went, okay, he's a billionaire who bought a relatively big club in London. He's this is a hobby thing, and a lot of a lot of uh, even uh, even a lot of like financial analysts were kind of like, oh yeah, you're rich. People buy rich cars and stuff. He's bought a football club. Yeah. They didn't think he was going to make that much money out of Chelsea. Like Chelsea was uh, uh, 200 million pounds in debt when yeah. he bought it. And he paid that debt pretty much. And that's what he got to keep Chelsea for. Like he covered uh, Ken Bates' debt. Um, yeah. That'd be right. Uh, you, you know more about this part it of it was, than I Yeah, it was actually, yeah. It was covered. I'm pretty sure there was a little bit on top of it, but... The main bit was cover the debt, which is, yeah, Ken Bates was pretty much, I can't keep financing the losses here, so we have to go somewhere, and that was his main problem. I will um, uh, point out here that things were very precarious for Chelsea at that point. Like, Chelsea had just made it to the Champions League that season before Roman Abramovich bought the club. Um, I mean, we've been sitting around... There's a... Sorry, we're sort of the... I guess Tottenham they had just been in the Champions like, League since 1999, from my no. memory. It would be fifth, on... sixth, seventh, I think, if I remember correctly. Like that yeah, was always the yeah. sort of thing. Maybe eighth. Like we were that sort of club for the 
not yeah, quite Champions League. Yeah, there was a lot of campus. issues. Yeah. Like, after you fired uh, Gianluca Vialli, after he won the European Cup Winners' Cup, mm. um, then... And you were third, by the way. This uh, uh, I don't know. I still, to this day, don't understand why that happened. Um, no. And then Rude Hullet was doing pretty good as well, and you fired him. Like, there's a lot of weird decisions made at that time at Chelsea. Like, I cannot yeah. explain. But there was a... There was crazy money. Like, yes, Premiership has crazy money now. But back then, they didn't know how to deal with crazy money. Yeah. And there was crazy money in the Premiership. And then the ITV uh, deal collapsed, and a lot of clubs started going bankrupt. Um, so this this history is important to go into to understand Chelsea's situation. Yes, no, this very much. Chelsea was in a lot of debt. It isn't like, sure, Ken Bates gets a bad rap for being a terrible owner and stuff. Like, Chelsea were in an incredibly horrible position before Ken Bates bought Chelsea. Chelsea yeah. were a club in the uh, second division before the Premier League was out. Um, They... Look, they were there. That club was the was giving Millwall a run for its money for being the worst club to attend in hooliganism problems. Yes, so yeah, very much so. It was there were so it was he had turned that all around, made them into a viable business. Um, yeah, bunch of things. So I know there's legitimate um, criticisms of Ken Bates at other clubs. I could definitely agree with, and also in Chelsea, but he did yeah. do a lot of good for Chelsea to, that allowed it to become the club that Roman Abramovich would consider buying. Yeah, exactly. I think Ken Bates should be given a lot of respect for that. Yeah, you're right, there was issues and things weren't perfect, but I think the thing is that like Abramovich, Ken Bates cared for Chelsea as a football club, Yeah, and that showed in, that, in how he he cared for it. And, I mean, one of the things is the fact that he he swallowed up the losses for quite some time there through the late 90s, early 2000s, before he just couldn't do it anymore and, and sold And they weren't making so. losses for a while. They were, they were actually kind... They were more or less profitable and sustainable. The losses yeah. were sustainable. Like, there were losses building to... Like, building infrastructure that oh, yeah, would yeah. be profitable later on. Until the ITV de- TV deal collapsed. Well, the problem and... problem then is still the same problem now, which is the size of Stamford Bridge. <laughs> like, yes. there, there's only so much they could they could do then, based on the fact that ticket sales were very much limited, and, and not also, a big stadium. Yeah, I mean, that's that is a, one of the big controversies Robin Abramovich has with Chelsea fans at the moment. But we will get down to that <laughs> a bit later about the ownership of Stamford Bridge. Um, the uh, so at this situation, Roman Abramovich came in, bought Chelsea, covered all their debts. This is before financial fair play, and there was this really fun season. We were like that first season of Chelsea. We were just like, oh, who's he gonna buy? He got people like Crespo. He got these incredible players to come into the club. It was like, uh, it was, it was really like playing football manager. It he was really playing was. football manager at Chelsea. Like that was literally what he was doing. Yeah. Um, but. That it slowly changed. Like the reason why Roman Abramovich is revolutionary isn't how he came in, but with a lot of money and the, the you know recovering debts, bringing making a club profit, making a, a bringing a club out of the brink. Because as I said, Ken Brates did that a few decades ago, but before him, you know, yeah. a decade and a half before him at Chelsea, at the very same club, and other billionaires used to own football clubs and do ridiculous things. Yeah. He 
after a few seasons, turned Chelsea into Chelsea Inc. Like me and the fool here very often talk about how uh, the uh, Chelsea are a Fortune 500 company yeah. uh, culture. That's the club they are. They're a Fortune 500 company. They're ruthless. There's nothing's personal. It's all about business and the bottom line and running the club successfully. Like they have an identity. They know the kind of youth products they want. They know the kind of players they want. They know the kind of manager they want. But yeah. It's run like a business. Yes, you don't yes. perform, you go. Yeah. You know, like they not every decision is good. There's some terrible decisions made by <laughs> yes. Chelsea, even post business, like bad contracts, bad hirings. Um uh look up Winston Bogard, by the way. <laughs> yeah. That was a real thing. That the was Wikipedia a real thing. page, not a word of lie. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. There's a bunch of things like that that Chelsea can be, um, yeah, you could talk about with Chelsea, but he revolutionized the structure and how you could run a modern-day football club. And the fact that he turned it, the fact that Roman Abramovich turned a club that was probably not worth the $200 million he paid for it. Chelsea at that point was probably worth maybe half of that. Maybe, yeah. not being unfair, like because they didn't own Stamford Bridge, by the way. They Still didn't. It's not like Stamford Manchester Bridge. United that owns, uh, that owns Old Trafford and the and the land around it and everything. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's um, a completely it's different. Like hmm? so yeah, yeah, it's a completely different organization, pretty much that owns Stamford Bridge. And in fact, Chelsea yeah. are only allowed to play as Chelsea at Stamford Bridge because of the grace of the um, Stamford Bridge Owners Association, yes. whatever it's called. But yeah. Yes, and a bunch. There's a there's a bunch of things why Chelsea are not were not as valuable. Mm. He converted that into a, a business that he values now at three billion. Um, which I am not a financial expert, but that's not too far off. I would think if that I don't think that's an unfair price for a club like Chelsea. That's a ready-made winning club that is going to earn you a hundred to two, uh, to uh, earn you around half a billion dollars a year. Yeah, I don't think it's revenue. Fair. I think I had heard two Not point profit, but revenue. Yeah, I'd heard two point five ish beforehand. So three, if that's what he's valuing it to sell, that was the pre-selling bit. If that's what he's valuing it to sell, yeah. I don't think that's too far off. Like that's a fair, fair enough price to be like, this is what I want for it. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably about what it's worth, give or take a little bit. I mean, at least that's a good starting offer yeah. to say I want something around here. So. So that's the model and. That's the reason people like Kroenke bought Arsenal. That's the reason why people like uh, Sheikh Mansour has bought Manchester City mm. um, and the owners of PSG. You can just go because the model is proven. It like yeah. football can print money because people can't live without football. I would almost it, it may as well be water, food, internet, football. Yeah, and that's fair. Not necessarily in that order, by the way. <laughs> I would almost say that the Man City purchase uh, by Sheikh Manso is directly influenced by Roman Varnovich's um, purchase of Chelsea. If that yeah. hadn't gone ahead or hadn't gone the way it did, I don't think that ever would have happened. Like um, Absolutely. And I think Manchester City, I think you could argue, won the lottery twice because Manchester held the Commonwealth Games in 2005? I want to say six, two thousand six, two thousand six. Yeah, it must be two thousand six. Yeah. 
So they held the Commonwealth Games, and that stadium, City of Manchester Stadium, would need a tenant. And obviously, Manchester United don't need to move their stadium. So City yeah. Manchester City were going to move there. So they sold Main Road and moved to um, moved to Manchester City, and the um, uh, and then they uh, they've got a very favorable lease. So the city of Manchester yeah. still own the city of Manchester Stadium, but they have a very favorable lease, and I think it's like a hundred and fifty year lease that Manchester City have there. Oh, yeah, um, like but, that, yeah. but they don't get the advantages that Manchester United have. So like any concerts or other games being hosted, and like if the Glaziers were smart and decided they wanted to host NFL games in Manchester, and you know do the <laughs> necessary upgrades in Manchester at Old Trafford, they would be getting that money yeah. at, at Manchester, you know, they would be getting those earnings, those broadcast money and all that stuff. Manchester City, if they did that at the City of Manchester Stadium, the City of Manchester gets that money. They don't, you know, Manchester City don't own the stadium Yeah, to do that. Um, so that's one of the disadvantages that they have. Obviously, match day revenue, they get a, the city, I believe, gets a portion of that to, uh, to cover their expenses. Um, but you know, I think that's basically their lease rights, but I don't know the ins and outs of it, but to be fair, yeah, yeah. uh, so that's the disadvantage and advantage of not owning your own stadium. Um, the, um, uh, now it's a, another interesting thing to point out is Chelsea by the barest of margins made fourth. That's the season yeah. before Roman Abramovich bought. Like, and they had missed out on fourth three times in a row to Bobby Robson's Newcastle. Bobby yeah. Robson uh, got fired in the middle of the season because it looked like they were going to finish fifth. And I still believe to this day that that was a big mistake. Um, yeah. Uh, by Newcastle United because I think if he had stayed on, Bobby Robson would have got would have turned the squad around and got them to fourth. Um, Freddie and there's a lot of players from Newcastle in that era who say they regret their behavior and how they played and their attitude because that you know it got Sir Bobby fired and like Sir Bobby is one of the goat managers, very underrated. Uh, I think his achievements in football are are not fully appreciated by a lot of people because you know he was from a while back and a lot of it is from the 70s and 80s but he managed for a long time in a lot of different clubs and yeah. in a lot of different contexts yeah uh, and both international and club level um he if he had managed to get newcastle fourth and roman abramovich had bought Newcastle United, you can bet your bottom dollar he's not Claudio Ranieri. He can handle egos. He was yeah. a manager at Barcelona. He was a manager at uh, at uh, at PSV. He's you know he is used to managing big clubs. Yeah, exactly. he was England manager. You know, he, and he has that respect and gravitas. So he wouldn't have had any issues with any of the big players they wanted to buy, and he would have been happy to have big players like he is from that romantic era of football who's like you're giving me good players i will get the best out of them i back myself yeah exactly and he would do it yeah. like he he is also like ironically his protege jose Mourinho, would do that at chelsea yeah. jose Mourinho, i should say jose my apologies jose. but yes jose Mourinho did that at chelsea 
so you know that he the man can spot talent. There's a, that's all I need to say about that. So yeah. it would have been like there's a very interesting alt history timeline you could think of where Newcastle gets that Chelsea you know, gets a lot of that Chelsea money and maybe you know last we would be talking about Saudi Arabia buying Chelsea now. Yeah, maybe. Uh, it's hard to see because I don't know how long Ken Bates could have kept owning Chelsea. Like they would have been fifth. Uh, I don't know if they would have. They could have gone the Leeds route very easily. Very uh, easily, and actually quite likely. I think Ken Bates probably could have held out for another season or two, maybe. But that was going to be it, and then there was going to be real trouble at that point. Um, yes, but Chelsea already had set up their youth system and had a bunch of good players. Yeah. They would have sold a lot of players at decent prices to keep yeah. the books going, yeah. I think. That's what I mean. They might not have gotten relegated, but they might have become maybe more of a West Ham club. Maybe yeah. be a, a club that kind of finishes mid-table, no longer competes at the top anymore until a rich owner comes along yeah. to give them the spending power. Because they don't have the assets that Arsenal have. They don't have a big mm. stadium back like the way Arsenal has a big stadium now. Back in the day, yes, Arsenal's and Chelsea were competing at the same level in yeah. terms of stadium sizes. But, you know, once the Emirates came online, Arsenal were gonna be like the mega club of London. Yeah, yeah. If Abramovich hadn't come up come to the scene. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And maybe if Arsenal could have, you know, managed their stuff a bit better, but yeah, story yeah absolutely. Well. There's a different story there as well. But it changed every... Like I said, the landscape was changed and it's going to change again. Um, mm. So enough of a uh, nostalgic look to the past. What? Who, uh, who do we know are actual legitimate contenders for buying Chelsea? That's the, the thing. is, I haven't seen any actual people who it is. So it's, it's unknown, really. Um, so that's sort of, I guess you know what mega oil baron out of the Middle East is left um, seems to sure, be it. a mega oil baron out of the Middle East uh, could be I mean Saudi Arabia's got a team Qatar's got a team the UAE mm. have two te- have a team maybe Dubai will the sheikhs of Dubai or the sheikhs of Ku- or the emir or king of Kuwait oh, I did forget one name that got thrown out um, right. which some friends at work were thing which is apparently Conor McGregor is interested in buying Chelsea which seems wrong to me on so many levels he's a Manchester United fan why is he trying yeah. to buy Chelsea that's why it's wrong on so many levels. I don't know why he's trying to... But it's one of the names on the list is, is Conor McGregor. Um, There's a couple right. of consortiums. Um... Uh, Chelsea is a worthwhile asset to procure. They're very yeah. profitable and they... Um, yeah, they're, there's going to be bids. But right now, obviously, the world economy is not the best. There's not just... But the rich people have more money to spend now. Ironically, the 1% have grown richer in COVID times. I think almost six times the gap has grown between yeah, the 1% and the 99%. But yeah, yeah. I'm not an economics guy, by the way. Like, don't yeah. quote me on that. Um, uh, but the... Uh, so 
there's definitely potential owners. Like, I know LeBron James is um, affiliated with FSG, so he already owns Liverpool. Because um, LeBron James is one of the first, uh, I believe, the first athlete to become a billionaire from his salary alone. All right, yeah. Officially, like, there are other sports people now, like Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi, Lionel Messi, who are also billionaires, but it's not from their salary. Yeah, yeah. It's so, or maybe he's stuff. the first sports person to have earned a billion dollars in salary over his lifetime. But something incredible like that. And he actually he owns his own uh, you know, agency for players and he owns a, his own sneaker line because he didn't do the Michael Jordan thing of aligning with Nike and make it, you know, doing something with them. That was his own. He basically went, I'm going to do my own thing from bottom yeah. up. He owns the supply chain. That's his model for being a successful entrepreneur with his yeah. sport like leveraging his sport um which is why i think he would be a successful owner of any sports team um if the there are rumors that the nba are looking to expand um and one of the franchises are going to be in seattle and one of them are going to be in las vegas basically it's free money because they're two billion dollars franchise fee for each so yeah. the other owners are like sure we have to divide up the pot of TV earnings uh, and they can make a thing of like those two teams don't get a share of the TV earnings for the first two or three years because you're supposed to be building the franchise before yeah. you cut into the profits of the league and that and that is precedent for that so they don't have to start sharing immediately but you know two billion dollars split 30 ways like up front for uh four billion dollars split 30 ways up front i think then yeah. you and then after that you're dividing up your earnings mm. yeah. uh, that seems like a no no-brainer <laughs> to me <laughs> and people are interested in paying that sort of money because this is the franchise fee by the way not the so just the uh the rights to own a franchise after that they have to spend their own money building it up doing all the other things yeah, yeah, yeah. to get it up and running um it's uh so yeah uh so he's most likely gonna end up buying a basketball team because the nba want there to be another owner um who's african-american and probably want to do what they did with michael jordan who owns a team in the nba as well yeah like, you know have two the goats own teams and stuff like that's uh and he's already owns a sport team in liverpool like a decent yeah, yeah, yeah. share so yeah he's uh, he's already in the business, so he's out unless he decides to share his, sell his Liverpool shares and other things and decides to Maybe. buy Chelsea with a group of rich people. Because I'm not saying he would have enough money on his own, by the way, but, you know, the whole, yeah, I could be the front guy who's the entrepreneur person who shows up to games and wants to win and go, you know, and becomes somebody who buys stuff, you know. Yeah. Well, and then we have actual billionaires supporting other billionaires supporting me. Um, yeah. There is obviously always tech giants. You never know. Bill Gates might be. Uh, Bill Gates, I think, might not be. He's already had opportunities. But Steve Bellmeyer already owns the. Yeah. It looks like um, a billionaire of new um, LA Dodgers part owner. So that's I think it is um, Todd Bowley. 
Todd Bowley, yeah. That's yeah, a, he's yeah. apparently tried to buy Chelsea three years ago for $2.2 billion. So seems likely he'd probably be in there. Does say yeah, doesn't, Todd Bowley doesn't... for an American owner. The Dodgers yeah. consistently have one of the highest paid um, payrolls in the league. So he is not afraid to throw money to win stuff. To be fair, the LA Dodgers are like one of the, you know, like it's an it's a Los Angeles institution, so that doesn't matter. They'll always have fans going to their games, and yeah, yeah. you know they'll always make the playoffs because they have really good players, and their games are on prime time, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's a thing in America where if you're from a big, you know, big market, you're gonna do well. He if he ends up buying uh, Chelsea, uh, could be interesting. An American Seems... owner, but he is less like the owners of Liverpool, who's who are more money ball and analytics driven. But not to say he isn't, because every owner is now in American sports. Yeah. But uh, he's also not afraid to outcompete the analytics driven people for price, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it looks like he's the. Well, he, he, him leading a consortium with uh, Hans Jörg Wuss, which is a Wuss, which is a Swiss billionaire, seem to be things. But it does suggest they don't, they don't share Abramovich's three billion dollar, um, yeah, asking price. So and that might, like I said, I'm not an expert by any stretch of the yeah. imagination, and they might think like it's it's worth it for us at this price, maybe two and a half, but it's not worth it for us at three billion. And for all we know, Raymond Abramovich might have just gone like, yep, this is the thing, so that I know the low balls are only going to come from this point and we can meet somewhere in the middle to yeah. end up with something. Uh, so, yeah. so that seems to be most likely uh, one. Um, there is a... Oh, Britain's rich, richest man, Sir Jim Ratcliffe. Is apparently interested. He wants to buy a Premier League club, but he also believes that. I know he wants to buy a Premier League club, but I thought he categorically said he's not going to buy Chelsea. I know he's on the list that I found on Google. Um, but... There's always rumors about him wanting to buy a Premier League club, and he yeah. does want to. But he strikes me as somebody who maybe want, is happy to buy a Championship club, and yeah bring them up slowly to the Premier League or even like a League a League 1, League 2 club. Because yeah. getting into the Football League is really hard. There's only one spot that gets into the Football League. Yeah. Um, as um, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McKelleny has mentioned, like it's one of the toughest promotions to earn um, as they're learning in Wrexham. Um, yeah. And they're, so they're, work, they're, they're kind of uh, basically focusing on building up infrastructure, getting all the things in place so that when they do get into the football league, they don't get relegated immediately. Like, I think that's their goal. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I do think buying a uh, a non-league club to try and push up, very difficult. I, uh, yeah. I don't think that's... Like, that's more viable for someone like a Ryan Reynolds, who's not a billion, you know, billions and billillions of dollars person. Who's, he's, yeah. a, he's, an entre- he's a good entrepreneur in his own right, because he, you know, he, ha- he owns the uh, Grey Goose Gin and a bunch of other brands, which he's kind of set up and built by himself. Um, so he does know how to get, you know, and market and earn money for Wrexham. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. 
Well, at the end of the day, he said that he's not interested in running the day-to-day -day football stuff. He wants to leave the people who know football in charge of doing football. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, yeah, I'm. I we expect we want our ambition is to get back into the football league, but we understand that it's difficult. Like you know, it's gonna take time. Um, the uh, the other one that might be a bit more of a definite, which is once again American, is uh, Thomas Ricketts, the chairman of the Chicago Cubs. Apparently, he's looking for investment opportunities outside the U.S. Tried to fly AC Milan in 2018, failed. So the other one there at least hasn't. All the other ones, like you say, um, Ratcliffe well, is sort Thomas of like, Ricketts, I don't really want a Premier League Cup, but... Thomas Ricketts and I think also the um, uh, the owner of Manchester United, the Glaziers, tried to buy an IPL club when they expanded. So yeah. they are looking uh, to expand. Obviously, the Glaziers already own Manchester United. They can't buy Chelsea. And I don't think they're looking to sell Manchester United to buy Chelsea. No. Um, that would be dumb. Um, at least from my perspective, I don't see why you would do that. Um, now, in, um, there's obviously uh, other... Uh, billionaires around the world who are football mm. fans who could definitely like billionaires from Asia, billionaires from Africa, Latin America, yeah. all over. But there's a there's a group of usual suspects people you think like people who already own a sports franchise. It would be interesting if Chelsea were bought by somebody like Jerry Jones, who's the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, who's literally <laughs> basically you know, has gone from being an oil mogul to literally being like, yeah, football is my life's work and that's all <laughs> I care about now. Now, I don't know if that would work, but I think that would be really interesting. Yeah. That would be quite interesting, really. That would, yeah. Um, and he would probably then try and push the expansion of an NFL franchise into... Um, into uh, America to London. Yeah. Um, yeah. And with that being said, speaking of NFL owners in London, um, Shahid <laughs> Khan would probably have bought Chelsea for three billion. Yeah. Shahid Khan is currently one of the richest owners in football. Yeah. Uh, he's one of the richest NFL owners, I believe. He may be the richest NFL owner after. Uh, in terms of his, uh, because he's like a car manufacturing mogul, um, and he owns a bunch of, uh, you know, media stuff. He owns a wrestling company, as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. By the way, you guys dodged a bullet by not having him own. Sorry, a, a billionaire with that much wealth should never allow their club to get relegated. I'm sorry, Fulham <laughs> fans. That's just the truth. It is the truth. Like, Fulham are a, are a club in an area with a catchment and a great stadium and all the things. Like, if once they're in the premiership, they should be generating enough money with uh, that financial fair play should always allow them to compete and yeah, stay exactly. in the premiership, in my opinion. Um, yeah. But, yeah, there's a reason why the Jacksonville Jaguars consistently suck. <laughs> that's, just, uh, that's just what it is. Um uh, it would be, you know, uh, I feel like you guys could even end up with something interesting like one of the IPL owners 
mm. buying Chelsea. Uh, someone like uh, Ambani, who owns the Royal Challengers Bangalore, or even Shahrukh Khan, who owns the Kolkata Knight Riders, if that yeah. group, because they own a bunch of cricket teams. If they decided yeah. to ever expand outside of cricket, um, because I believe he's also ended up buying, he may partially own um, Atletico de Kolkata uh, Mohan Bagan. Okay. They're just Mohan Bagan. Nobody cares about the Atletico de Kolkata part because <laughs> Mohan Bagan are like a 120-year-plus 120 uh, footballing institution. All right, yeah. Uh, they're... Uh yeah yeah so he own I believe he owns part of it with uh such uh, with Sachin Tendulkar and ah. um Ganguly so him and his rich cricket and acting Bollywood friends and Bollywood money God knows where that comes from <laughs> I mean, honestly I don't know there's always rumors about how close the um the illegal money trade in India is linked to Bollywood, like to yeah. use to launder money into Bollywood. I don't know how true it is, but it's always a rumor. Um, and I'm, this is by no means me saying people like you know, Shah Rukh Khan and all of them are in, involved in any of that, but yeah, they are the face of the money who owns uh, the uh, Kolkata Knight Riders. Yeah. And if he did end up purchasing the uh, uh, purchasing Chelsea, because I, I could even see him look to invest in one of the county cricket clubs. Because at the moment, the ECB are not looking to sell franchises, sell the franchises in the hundred. The hundred was relatively successful, but yeah, you know, those counties own themselves, their members, he can easily go, hey, I'm happy to own like 40% to fund money into you. Mm. And like, whether it's Surrey, Essex or Surrey, most likely Surrey, because they're one of the biggest cricket clubs in the country. Yeah. Um, And the Oval is like this you know, storied ground. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Historical ground. Um, So yeah, Chelsea... And yeah, you know, it fits with the whole. Yeah, I'm doing a cricket business and a football business, so yeah, yeah, that could be an interesting owner as well. And you know, the KK uh, after a shaky start, the KKR are one of the successful franchises in cricket. Even the owners of the Mumbai Indians, who are the most successful cricket franchise, yeah, in the world and the best run, um, could look. Uh, could look to do it. So there's uh, there's plenty of sports owners. It's but yeah, I think the era of how Abramovich ran. Uh, I this is assuming a sale goes through. Like obviously, we all hope you know hostilities in the Ukraine end quickly, and yeah. we you know what economic pain that you know, regular people in Russia are going through from the sanctions and stuff can end. Um, even if that all happens quickly, I don't think the any of the people who are considered to be part of Vladimir Putin's inner circle, like Roman Abramovich, yeah. are going to, you know, are going to lose their sanctions anytime soon. You know, no, even no, in the exactly. best case scenario, you know, from that outcome. 
Yeah, I think you're right. I think even if the everything hostilities all stopped tonight, yeah, and Russia fell back, I think yeah, the sanctions on on yeah. Putin and the inner circle will probably persist for quite some time. So yeah, and Abramovich would be be caught up in that, I would say. And even then, even if for some strange reason those were dropped, I still don't think it would be possible for Abramovich to continue to own a, a English football club um, just Wait, on the, well, the public back It only depends on how long the idea and how separate the um, current, the charitable trust can act. Yeah. From it, I think it would also that model would really depend on the public perception. They could perceive that, yep, he is actually not gaining from this, then maybe it would be okay. Um, There's going to be a lot of investigation into corruption and collusion with Russian money in London, and that Mm. thing is coming. I don't think, like I said, even if a... I'm not in any way a political expert. Um, I'm just going off what I've seen in the news. And, yeah. and similar to how you we mentioned about embargoes of the oligarchs, the whole inner circle, uh, even if the war were to end tonight somehow, as you uh, mentioned, the um, and the economic embargo on regular people in Russia was to be lifted, or at least, you know, eased. Yeah. For their sake, uh, the oligarchs are not getting off, and I do think this investigation of how much actual money the Russian state has in London, and in big business in London, is gonna get through because it. Uh, uh, I don't. It seems politically impossible for it to not go through now. Um, yeah. Based exactly. on public percep- uh, public reaction to what's happening. Um. So. It's a very, I find based as somebody who lives in a country with a lot of, who was born in a country with a lot of corruption and how these things work, um, I would find it very, very difficult to believe that Roman Abramovich has not invested money in political parties and other things. And that money is going to be traced back into the charitable fund and... This is why it needs to be sold, like, you know, um, yeah, yeah. because the uh, while it wouldn't be fair to Chelsea fans, the if the government has to freeze Chelsea's money and assets and they're forced to sell players and whatnot, it, uh, then, it could happen. Yeah, it, could, it could happen. Exactly. Um, the... It could even be taken over. It, they could even be, quote unquote, forced into a situation where it's like a receivership, and you have a government agency running Chelsea. Yeah. Till it's sold, so they're like, we are keeping an eye on every dollar and cent. Yeah. Uh, used here, um, the people in charge of the board who do the football decisions maybe will be kept because they don't want the asset to stop making money because obviously they want to make as much money as possible selling it and they want it to keep being profitable um but we're making sure all the profits go into the club go nowhere else and it's only being used in this particular way and you know where all the money coming into the club is going and that could that's a very real possibility in which case like nobody's buying chelsea yeah well that's at that the, 
the problem is those sort of things are some of the reasons why there's it's mm. potential that selling Chelsea may actually be quite hard. Is that mm. there's you know worry about um, you know the UK government doing something in the meantime, in which case you know what does that mean for the for buying it? Is it better to wait until that happens and see what you know might get it cheaper that way? Um, but there's also the issue about how do they actually pay the money because you know Abramovich is been facing sanctions and assets being frozen and everything all over the place. Like, how does the money get from whoever wants to buy Would it through Abramovich to the charitable trust which he wants to go? Like, how do they do it properly so that it actually is all legal and everything as well? So it's a bit of a... Would they consider going a socio model where mm. they effectively sell the club to fans and, and basically the go... Chelsea yep. pitch owners... Um, would very much want that. That's that would. So if he, if they're happy to let the pitch owners buy the club on HP, quote unquote, yeah, here interest free loan to buy Chelsea, which they slowly use the money Chelsea generate to buy the club. Yeah, I'm just spitballing here. I'm not saying this yeah. is viable or a thing that can actually happen. It'd be very interesting. And and then the pitch owner, the Chelsea Pitch Owners Association, like you know, expand their membership. There's plenty of uh, people in London and stuff who are members of that organization. You know, yeah. quote. Um, and to be fair, they feel like to me the natural people to buy the club. And mm. in a situation like that, where it's a government takeover of the club and the receivership, um. Given the political situation, the government may be forced in the end to be like, look, this is the most politically expedient owner. Yeah. Um, we're not in it to make money. It's not like these guys owe us back taxes and stuff. So it's not a real receivership. This yeah, is yeah. a um, this it's is a, a different thing. situation. Yeah. It's a different situation. Um, so we are effectively. Uh, taking an asset and forcing a national, forcing a sale to yeah. a party that we're happy with. Exactly. And now, and it's, it's like even the if PLO the club, would... if, yeah, like uh, even if the pitch owners were like, we are, they only get to buy fifty-one percent of the club, and the rest is like they can put up into shares and the mm. stock market and raise money that way. That would you know, the famous fifty-plus-one model. Yeah, from the Bundesliga, that would be an interesting precedent set. Yeah, it would be very interesting, and it's something the CBO have been trying for for a while. Like that's their threat of legal action to do something like that anytime, all the time through when Abramovich and Chelsea were trying to find a way of increasing the stadium size, moving the Battersea or something like that, because um, they were trying to negotiate keeping the Chelsea club name and the shirt and all the rest but not being at Stamford Bridge and that was you know yeah, the that's... pitch owners association just was not no no and but that was their fight back was if they tried I to believe move, the then they pitch would... owners own the name Chelsea and yes. the logo Chelsea oh, as well yeah so well it's I don't know if ownership's right the right word but it's a legally bound terms that Chelsea Football Club a team called Chelsea Football club can only play at Stamford Bridge, or that the team playing at Stamford Bridge 
is legally called the Chelsea Football Club and has the Chelsea logo. So if they moved away yeah. from Stamford Bridge, they that's been the bigger problem is that they've had to negotiate. It's not that they can't buy the land, though that was also a problem. It's not that they can't build on the land, although there was also resource consenting type things that were issues. The biggest issue was being able to call the team that played their Chelsea. Um, mm. And yeah, and that's just been and blocked. And they that's almost got to a place on that, but then it fell over and stuff. And Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a difficult relationship between the mm. two entities. And if that entity does end up owning Chelsea, given that legal situation, like I can't see an American owner standing for that. No, it would be a lot like, more interesting if it's American owner because, yeah. Like... They won't understand it. There's certain things in, like, people from the old world, quote-unquote, um, like Asia, uh, Eurasia and Africa, the um, where, okay, these are laws from feudal eras that haven't been repealed. It's just the way it is. We go, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's just the way it is. There's a grandfather in the Constitution or... Mm. saying this law's been around for too long we can't change it now without like destroying everything yeah and like you and i know because we're we have engineer we're either engineers or failed engineers in my case (laughs) because we know how systems work yeah um so uh this uh so like something like a law like that is something that I think Abramovich can uh, can tolerate the the whole thing with Manchester City is something Sheikh Mansour can tolerate because he's not looking to get into maximizing income from his stadium. Yeah, if you you know like that's not his goal. Um, disclaimer. Okay, Mister Number Nine here. Asterisk zone. Asterisk zone. Asterisk. Woo woo woo. News updates. All right. So when we originally recorded the podcast, which was yesterday, and today (laughs) is the 11th of March, and we recorded this on the 10th of March, and literally about maybe less than three hours after we had finished recording and gone to sleep, um, the UK government put sanctions on Vladimir Putin. A lot of what we discussed below does consider sanctions, but obviously yeah. at the time we were discussing it, sanctions were not on the table. But I believe both me and the fool were assuming that sanctions were coming. But yeah, that think, being said, we have a lot of information regarding these sanctions yeah. now and yeah. what they entail. Yeah, our previous discussions were around what sanctions might look like. And yeah, now Abramovich is actually, along with seven other oligarchs based in the UK or with UK businesses, have all been slapped with actual sanctions. So, yeah, it sort of changes things a little bit, though um, also not. So, yeah, I mean, as I mentioned in our podcast we recorded yesterday, and it's already a bit hazy in my mind. We haven't <laughs> had a chance to listen. I haven't had a chance to listen to the recordings. I. Uh, so this may sound jumbled, but or you know, business as usual. Yeah. Uh, I did mention that I felt that sanctions were coming regardless of what the what was happening to in the war situation on the ground because the political yeah. winds had blown a particular way, and they couldn't be taken back now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, 
So with that being said, um, yeah, the Chelsea sanctions, they're very interesting. Um, mm. No merchandise sales, no ticket sales. Yeah. Um, no away fans, I guess. That means that their stadiums, only uh, tic- uh, season ticket holders and people who have pre-purchased tickets can go and yeah. buy there. I ass- They have been only given a budget of 20000 for away, away travel. Ga- I know. For, for away games, which... Sure, inside England might be fine, but, but Chelsea yeah. tend to use a private jet to travel and take all their staff and everything. Yeah. So that would be a significant downgrade on their travel budget. It's going to be interesting because we're meant to travel to Lille next week for Champions League. I yeah. don't think that's going to be an issue. I think all yeah. the um, expenses like your stay accommodation travel plans had already been paid for at least a week yeah. ago that's a good year. point it's probably and okay so that's but... already probably been arranged i would be very surprised if chelsea hadn't yet sorted that out um you make a point it's I probably th- already paid i think I the think quarterfinals could be interesting fine. then but yes quarterfinals could definitely be interesting you don't know where the away fixture will be um yeah uh they could continue playing staff and players mm. um, and continue deals that have already been pre-made, but nothing can continue. So, yeah. yeah. Which uh, also means no transfer At this point in time, no transfers. Or, or no new loans. contracts. Yeah, no new all. contracts at all. Yeah, nothing. So, so, which puts our three, well, all our defense in even more question marks than they were <laughs> since... You know, Rudiger up for um, negotiations. Um, Christensen, who I think signed for Barcelona now. Um, so there's that. There's a very real oh, possibility. and Silva. Yeah, there's a very real possibility because a lot of the avenues they have for generating money are not available to Chelsea. Mm. They may have to actually go into receivership with the government to keep running the club because they're a club that's about wants to be sold and things like that. Yeah. Um, so if that were to be the case, I believe that's a nine-point deduction in the yeah. Premier League. Which is not. I'm hoping... I do know that Chelsea has put an appeal or a, a letter yeah. to the government, basically, hey, can we actually just run our club, please? Like, yeah, we know where the money came from, but let's just earmark it. I it's think, not going there well, now. While I understand where they're coming from, mm-hmm. um, I would be very surprised if the government loosened restrictions. I would be surprised. Especially too. for earnings, because we are fairly sure most of them... Chelsea is a money launderer. It's a sports-washing enterprise for Roman Abramovich in many ways. Like oh, It's yes. more than that, but it is that's its main financial uh, thing. That base, It's a financial instrument Roman Abramovich used for sports-washing. Yeah. Um, and the situation here, um, I would be very surprised. And also, like, I think the government are under a lot of pressure. So politically, that uh, this is uh, where they can win points by being tough on an oligarch and things like that. Um, yeah. This does, I think, like, I've been thinking about this uh a few hours and I don't know what you've been like I think this is your opportunity Chelsea fans CTS sorry CST CPO uh, Chelsea pitch owners Chelsea supporters trust the go in there 
put in a proposal to the government just be like look why can't we be in charge of the club um yeah we run it we run all the like all the avenues for earning money go to us we take over Mr. Once you figure out the sanctions situation, Mr. Abramovich can decide whether to. He was planning to give the, uh, not take any of the money and donate it to charity yeah. anyway. At this stage, nobody's buying Chelsea. I don't think with these no. sanction issues, and I think there was already problem with for potential buyers to consider with the whole Chelsea pitch owners and the naming rights situation for Chelsea yeah. Football Club. Because the with the CPO, um, so there are yeah at the moment people are saying that they're still just as interested, and I'm sure they're not lying because sanctions yeah. were a very real possibility when these bids came in. But you know that two that three billion dollar price that I think was never realistic no, to no. expect in this market. Um, uh, ben, and uh, now I think even two billion is unrealistic. Yeah, yeah. Like with this, situ- like they've effectively got a transfer ban for the next window. If this can't be sorted out, um, yeah, yeah. and people, it's very int- difficult to understand what happens with people on loan. Now FIFA has been asked to do. Th- like open up a new transfer window for people who are impacted by the conflict in Ukraine, mm. um, UEFA, I mean, and I believe that will happen for humanitarian reasons, if yeah, nothing yeah. else. Uh, for uh, especially like if you if you're a player from country like country in Africa, uh, playing in the Russian second or third division, you know. Um, yeah. Ukrainian second or third division, you probably legitimately want to leave but still earn a living. And it would be grossly unfair if you weren't able to just go and be a footballer somewhere else. Like, this is. Yeah, yeah. Like, I know just rules are rules, but UEFA, I think, will have to kind of. Um, Either get... make an exception or you say open a, a full transfer window, but. Or do something. It seems open a transfer window for people, and I think this would count as like players affected by the Ukrainian crisis because of the economic sanctions. Like people, like Chelsea's loan army, have to understand what's their situation. Can they now? Because the club only the license to run only lasts till May. Yeah. After that. Assuming they had them generate enough money to pay players, because at some point, if they cannot pay players, they will have to end contracts of like, look, we can't continue this yeah, contract. Yeah, exactly. Like, this is not just the players whose contracts are up at the end of the season. I'm meaning before the season, people who have long-term contracts. Yeah, yeah and exactly. That, that's the we only fair solution. Like, yeah. they don't know if they can earn money. They can't. It. They can't force a player on their books to go. Yeah, sure. I'm gonna. Uh, stay. Uh, you can't go and find another club. They're entitled to go find their employment, mm. and they can't make a transfer deal with another club. So they can't even sell those players. Like this is obviously a worst case scenario. I don't think this is where it will get to. Yeah, yeah. And as I said, because there is a, or there are organizations like the CPO and the uh, CST. Who I think, yeah. yeah uh, Chelsea Supporters Trust, CST, are they? Or CST, CST. Yeah, no, yes, yeah, CST, sorry. Yes, yes uh, they're, 
they could very easily become like custodians of the club, keep it mm. running, at least be allowed to sell merchandise, sell tickets, and earn their um, yeah. you know, their um, broadcast money to pay for stuff. If um, even if that means they can get they can't get any any money from Roman Abramovich and things like that. Um, yeah. The legal situation, so it's not a charity run and owned by Roman Abramovich that is the quote-unquote steward of the club because that has no legal meaning. A yeah. custodian has a legal meaning and a legal definition. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that like, that does sound like the best interim solution. Is yeah, There are two uh, organisations set up, which are Chelsea fans, which have vested interest in the club. One of them has actual proper interest in the club in the pitch owners yeah. association and the you know supporters trust is is very much part of that as well so it seems a good place like let's all ownership just goes to them they are the ones so the money is going to them not they're not in any way connected to abramovich so now we can break that up the sale can still go through the money yeah. proceeds still get to go to a an appropriate charity. All they have to do is name that charity, I think, would probably be how that would yeah. be. Like, this Even is the charity that's to... going to, the money's going to go into, and it's going to, this is its... Even if they were to buy it for not three billion, like, say, half a billion, because I don't know if the supporters trust or the pitch owners... Well, I would imagine... A huge amount of a war chest, Even if they're allowed no. to borrow about 500 million dollar pounds, for example... The to way I see it policy. is more that Abramovich gives them that on the conditions that they are just custodians for the sale so he cuts tight because right. he doesn't so like he's not going to take sell it. it they would sell you it don't... on they wouldn't keep it no because i don't think we can they could have enough financial clout to run it ongoing as a as a super club um, um... You would think so, but we have Bayern Munich, Real Madrid... And I know, Barcelona. we do have examples, and maybe it would work. Um, um, I think Chelsea so. in England alone have enough fans that could do it. If mm. we, like, Bayern Munich has 300,000 members. Sure, they're not just a football club, they have a bunch of other sports and people... It's all over uh, Bavaria, but I think yeah. if you go to Chelsea's international fan base and basically started opening up slots for membership. And, like, the CPO always encouraged people to buy shares um, in their organization. So if there was a club, quote-unquote, that owned about, uh, say, even, like, 30% of the club and the CPO CPO and the CS... uh, CPO owned another... 30%, 30%, they could. They still have the option of floating like 40% of Chelsea in the stock market Yeah, as shares for raising capital. Yeah, I mean, um, that could that could work as well. I was also thinking the speed of it, like if it's just they could become custodians for the sale, that's possibly yeah. a, a quicker but process. But if they do which, run it well, and like yeah. if the, I don't, this, these sanctions are unlikely to be lifted anytime oh, no. soon. That's what um, I was thinking, is that if it it could be until the end of next season, and if the status quo works, Chelsea's not relegated, still performing well on the pitch, and they it gives them time to come up with a plan like the one I'm suggesting. Like they could yeah, just be like, why don't we just own Chelsea? 
sure, we're not a super duper club, like, but we can still be a big club with this model because there is a mo- there are models of it on the continent that exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we would be one of the few English clubs, big. In- we would be the last big English club to do it. Um, and then they could, because original money was uh was like promised to charities they could basically go something like okay a certain amount of our match day revenue will go towards you know ongoing charities in the red cross in yeah, ukraine because yeah. even after the war their country will need help for many years to yeah, help yeah, exactly. rebuild and whatnot and they could definitely you know commit to doing a lot of the good work in that regard um uh yeah and it would be a new identity it wouldn't be chelsea inc which is what yeah, yeah. roman Abramovich has made the most uh and like it would be also up to the supporters what that identity of chelsea is like what that club is all about um i don't know if you have the same people wanting to stay i don't know if marina these people in Chelsea who have been around for you know decades and make the club what it is would stay yeah. under that structure because they would be some of the most highly sought after football officials in the world. Yeah, I think. Um, but mm, they Chelsea wouldn't be a poor club by any stretch of the imagination. They would have funding and skill, uh, skill access to skilled people. They could. Um, they could bring in. I mean, I think John Terry is the president of the Chelsea pitch owners. Um, yeah, that uh, sounds so right. I might, might be wrong, but it sounds right. So there's people connected to the club from coaching all the way, players, ex-coaches, you know, who could come in and make something like that. Like they would be very Bayern, Real Madrid, Barcelona, where it's all yeah in the family. You know, everybody's somebody who's either been a player or a Something, yeah, uh, yeah. So it could definitely uh, work, and heck, this model Chelsea could even end up being a multi-sport team, uh, multi-sport organization in southeast yeah, London, yeah. southwest London. Sorry, I should say. Yeah, yeah. and um, you are right. Is John Terry is the current um, president, and most of the previous. Um, a lot of previous players, shareholders, along with like previous managers as well. So Frank Lampard, even Conte and Mourinho are shareholders in yeah. the Pitch Owners Association. Yeah, yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's plenty of people who I think mm. the talent they could attract, and they. The uh, and I think that's a, it's a good interim solution and it's a possibility. Like Chelsea, as fans, you are no longer worried about what is the next owner going to be like and what are they going to do. And yeah, yeah. But the but we can actually put a bid in and look to buy the club. Who knows what the political situation will be then? But it, you know, it's always like you know the I don't think the people in charge of parliament are going to be too worried about annoying a billionaire from Russia who yeah. was already who claimed he didn't care about the money um, yeah yeah right like and to be fair i do believe roman abramovich cares more about his legacy at chelsea than the money quote unquote yeah yeah money uh and 
if Chelsea were to be sold to the supporters club, that does secure his legacy. He's turned Chelsea into a multinational brand and given it, quote unquote, given it back to the fans. Like that's how it'll be spun in the end. Yeah, yeah. And if that does happen, and yeah, like that's right. That's what I. That was my thing. Where going like that's is an opportunity. I think something Chelsea fans could talk about doing. And they're like Chelsea fans are in a unique position where they actually hold a lot more power to do this than, for example, Manchester United fans. Yeah. Or uh, Liverpool fans, for that matter. Yeah. Well, exactly. Um. I think even in its heyday, when Manchester United, before the Glaziers took over, shareholders United managed at uh, at most to kill, collect 5% of Manchester United's total shares. All right, yeah, yeah. Because the club, cl- the club fans have tried for ages to try and turn Manchester United, in, at least own enough shares of Manchester United that will never be taken over by a quote-unquote billionaire type who just comes in and runs everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which didn't, uh, which unfortunately didn't work. Uh, but for Chelsea, they could definitely set that up. Like, I, there are definitely downsides to this model of running a club. Uh, for every Bayern, there's like three or four Schalkers, right? The yeah. club's but you're not guaranteed to be successful. You're not guaranteed. Like Schalke is one of the biggest memberships of an, any German football club, and you know they still got relegated. So badly run, you know, fan groups can badly run a football club as just as much as a a, a billionaire can. Um, you you just have better processes usually to keep things running properly. Um, yeah. And at the end of the day, if that does happen, like, you know, if you if you're a fan owned club like that and you get relegated or you have bad decisions made, like nobody goes, ah, but the fans don't deserve it. You're like, yeah, well, fans own this club. So enough of them didn't vote for it. Enough of them are dumb enough to think that was a bad idea or they voted for people who made bad idea, bad decisions. Like you could go, you know. While you could criticize as much as you want the previous regime that were in charge of Barcelona, they got voted in twice yeah. by the fan groups. Yeah, Barca fans can't complain. <laughs> they voted these guys in. <laughs> like, yeah, United fans can complain. We don't have any say over what the Glaziers do. Yeah, exactly. Um... But yeah, and those models have their issues with poli- with the political side of things. You have elections, you have all these other things. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it can cause divided fan bases to occur. Yeah, it can. And anything that has elections and things like that, it can lead to shorter term horizons in terms of... Um, strategies and goals but you're just worried about people become worried about keeping the position not about long-term futures so it be, can be a bit yeah um, and to be populist. fair the most of the times like we look at the example of barcelona sure they had a bad ownership bad regime in charge for the last few years which led to their financial troubles 
most of those financial troubles were caused by the fact that they were trying to uh, trying to upgrade to a new stadium, which is also what Real Madrid were doing. So both yes. neither of the, so it's not like they're the only people. Like every super club in the were in Europe is looking to uh, upgrade to a brand, to a newer and more modern stadium. Yeah, Munich yeah. didn't need to do that because they moved into the Allianz Arena in two thousand and six. Yeah. Um, but a lot of clubs, uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid, are paying it out of their own pockets. They're not taking, you know, sure they're yeah. taking loans and stuff, but it's being done out of their own pockets. They're not, quote unquote, taking like taxpayer money to do it, um, like a lot of like American teams do, yeah. uh, build these facilities, and they are, um, you know, for the, uh, for these two uh, uh, clubs, they thought that that was the next step forward to take them to the next level um and then covid hit so yeah. so, so barcelona the reason why these these people were reelected is not that the people who were members of barcelona football club were stupid it's because they were earning a lot of money for barcelona and they were being successful yeah yeah and yeah. these were the guys who finally put a sponsor on this chart, which was a very divisive issue. In... Yeah. Because before that, Barcelona were paying UNICEF to put the UNICEF logo and promote UNICEF on their shirt. Yeah. So they weren't, like, earning any money for that. Like, they were paying money. They were donating money to do that. Um. Then you know now they're Qatar Airways, and or Rakuten, or Qatar Airways, and then Rakuten. Yeah, yeah. So like that was a divisive situation, and the um, so you knew that the club did it. Like it's a lot of those things. Like you know that's not Barcelona's values, and like they stopped taking more and more. They just stopped taking players from their youth academies and just kept trying to buy stars to solve problems quickly. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you could see it happening. Um, I mean, now they've got a great bunch of youth players who, when they need it, like that seems to be Barca's superpower. <laughs> just generate like a great, a great group of guys just, just as they need it, like out of nowhere. Like, you know? Yeah, exactly. But that being... Just... Uh, and like probably they're gonna be fine. So that's that's arguably the worst case sort of. That's probably the best outcome you can get. Like to be like Barcelona, because I don't Chelsea can't do Bayern Munich. They're not gonna be the biggest club in the country. That no, ship no. has sailed. Yeah. Um, they can be a Barcelona because Barcelona and Real Madrid and I believe Atleti Bilbao and Rao Vallecano are the four clubs that are owned by socios still. Alright. And by law, the other clubs all have to be limited liability companies with shares or, or right, on yeah, the stock yeah. market um, to make sure they're run properly like a business. Yeah. The, yeah, so yeah, that could be an interesting more, but what were your thoughts as a Chelsea fan as that was happening and reading through the... As I was reading through it, I mean, yeah, it was a bit bit crazy and there was a lot of especially we get to the bits of what the actual sanctions mean and you know especially the can't sell match day tickets going forward that yeah. is definitely a scary thought because yeah yeah 
likelihood of receivership is is high then i'd hope that we could make our way somewhat through yeah the like season they without that even, but they can't even borrow money no because that's a loan contract which they can't sign yeah. we can't sign them yeah so yeah i i'm hopeful we won't go into receivership whilst the season's going on and i'm hopeful i'm a little bit hopeful that the way the things that the UK government has said about not wanting to not wanting to disrupt football and seeing that football is a is an English way of life and they don't want to hurt the fans mm-hmm. that they as long as we the board of Chelsea could put proposals to the government showing how Abramovich is not benefiting or things then we could continue to do stuff that would keep us away from receivership because I don't I yeah. think they could argue that that is hurting the fan because it hurts Chelsea next year. And ideally, oh. we'll be sold before then, so Abramovich is getting nothing out of it. Um, yeah. I think that's the big... And also, very importantly, no money from Abramovich is going into the club as a yeah. money-washing situation. Which, yeah, is a bit more of a troubling thing, because that's where any shortfalls were um, picked up. But I think, at least for the rest of this season, that's probably not that big a deal, um, as long as we can get some revenue from merchandise and match day tickets and things, which would require something to show it, which is why I'm thinking the CPO and the C, um, CST taking over as interim is a way to, to split that out and say, look, Abramovich is getting none of this money because it's he's no longer... If, if ownership comes to us, we sort it out. And then the long-term ownership is just a question that we can just kick the can down the, the road till the end of the season and we can sort it yeah. out over time and not have to worry about the spectre of Abramovich and having to prove every time how money's not going to him. Um, how that... How does a prospective yeah. owner buy Chelsea? Because the money's not going to Abramovich. Like, does it wasn't he, like, meant to be going to him, So, but that was the question. Is that like, there is do no they go clear... and donate them and put $3 billion to the Red Cross and like you, you now owe Chelsea? Like, what's the? How does this work? Like yeah. this transaction, it's not. It is not defined, and that's. It is part not of defined, right? Yeah. And like the whole thing is like they can't put that money into an account belonging to Roman Abramovich or that trust, charitable no. trust. I do, I assume that's under sanction as well. Yeah. So how does that transaction happen? Like, uh, even yeah, the, what's the license? What are the conditions? I did have something pointed out to me today, which. As soon as it was said to me, I was like, yeah, there's, there's an even bigger ambigu- ambiguity in the whole thing. Because Ivanovich said that the proceeds would go to a charity to look after the victims of the Ukraine conflict. Mm. Someone at work, one of the Arsenal fans there, pointed out that nothing in that said Ukrainians. Yep. Just victims of the war, or uh, victims of the conflict in Ukraine, or the Ukrainian conflict. So that's, that's actually you ambiguity there about exactly who it's going to because you know depending on what side of the coin he wants to land on that there's a wide range of people that could count as um it could count as him if he really wanted to he's now a victim of it because he got sanctioned you know so yeah there's a lot of okay to okay i think okay as a exercise we could say okay for example donating to UNHCR, UNICEF yeah. or Red Cross the government will probably go yeah okay that's yeah. fine 
donating to Ukrainian hospitals and like food banks in there, we'll probably go, okay, that's fine yeah. too. Um, like, oh yeah, are you donating to Russian veteran groups to yeah, no, no. soldiers who are injured? Uh, are you donating money to food banks in Moscow because things are yeah. getting expensive for Russian people to buy it? Yeah, they are victims of the war too. I'm yeah, not saying think... they're having it anywhere near as bad as people actually no. receiving the shelling, of course. <laughs> um, I think at this point in time, that would be seen in the UK as... That would as be seen no. as undermining the sanctions yeah. on th Russia, right? Like, that, yeah. I can't see that uh, being I allowed. Could, um, I can imagine saying you've earmarked that for that purpose after the war has ended and sanctions are, are lifted on ordinary people, that it's going yeah. to to alleviate any suffering that's happening to ordinary Russians. Maybe that's okay. Like, yeah, it's, yep. it's going to sit in a bank account and when you allow it to happen, it can be yep. extra money going to that purpose of, hey, ordinary Russians are also having it pretty poor, especially the ones speaking out against the war. Um, yeah. You know, here is, this is, this is what this money's for. And that might be okay. But, and I think the move to put the sanctions on, um, whilst was, yeah, politically charged as well like a bit of that as well was that like the uk government wanting not wanting to have control on exactly what that what donated to victims of the conflict in ukraine meant um and if they move for sanctions now they they actually have full control over who the money goes to because in the the license to operate they've taken away yeah mm. there's no selling so they can't technically the club can't be sold currently um yeah yeah, the license operates says it can't be sold. It's explicitly no, you can't sell the club. Uh, yeah. But the UK government did also sort of put a, a side note out, which is in the in terms of selling, if you came, you know, we would be open to a, an update to the um, charter if you have a plan. So pretty much tell us who's buying it and how it's all happening, and we'll sign that off or not. So it's. Yeah. That, and that's not going to be a short process either. No, and which is why I'm hoping... The government will approve of anything like that while till the season is over. And also, you know, to get all those things in place, legal fees, yeah, yeah. whatnot, is I think they would approve it. Matter. Yeah, I think they would approve it if it could be very easily shown exactly where it's going. I Yep, it's a donation to, yeah, the, um, to the Red Cross. Three billion dollars to the Red Cross. That is the thing. Nothing else. Everything. You know, I'll sign documents. There is no money owed to me anymore. It's done. In which case that might. I mean, something like that might be a nice shortcut. Or even it. if but the even that requires lawyers to if, sort it out. Even if, let me spitball here. If the interim solution was that Chelsea, uh, uh the Chelsea pitch owners and the uh, or the CSCT, CST or the pair of them were mm. custodians of the club till the end of the season i.e they were allowed to sell match day tickets collect their match day revenue from tv rights though i think that is still allowed um i'm not don't I quote think, me on that i think sell because it's i think yeah tv rights must be okay because it's a an already agreed it's upon already pre signed yeah yeah so I'm just saying, like, if they're allowed to now get match day revenue, earn money through Instagram, social media, all yeah. these other things, all these other good things that you you know you need, 
uh, you need to run a run the club going and the custodian, you know, the CPO overlooks that they run it. It's all coming through their bank accounts. Yeah. If that money is handed to them to donate to charities with yeah. the approval of the government, like, okay, we're going to give half a hundred mil to the Red Cross, done, yeah. signed check. We've approved this. Uh, we're going to give blah, 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 blah. Like, sure, they'll might be taking a million or two for admin because they need to hire accountants and things to yeah, make yeah. sure these transactions get done properly. So there is always administrative costs. Yeah, uh, you yeah, know, exactly. these guys are not experts at this, so they yeah. obviously need time to learn it and, and all that. Lawyers so and stuff. Only to get paid, yeah, well, and look, see, experts bring in experts the, to do the things properly. I think the pitch owners association would be pretty. A reasonably yeah, I think Pitch Owners is, is, yeah. is a reasonable organization for it. And yeah. it makes sense that if they were to end up, if they are custodians of that fund, yeah. because part uh, they have to kind of keep a separate book, like this money is for charity not to be used, because Pitch Owners Association have a running business because they're repaying the debt Chelsea accrued in the Ken Bates era yeah. regarding the property. And the reason why they bought the pitch and the stadium is because they it was being sold to property developers to make flats. There's a whole, you probably know the story better than I do, but yeah, the whole situation uh, meant that they took on the debt from... Yeah the banks and they're slowly repaying it with shareholders and people and you know people buying the uh by paying the fees and everything like that um this so they have to obviously separate the two this money can't be used to pay for that um yeah yeah it would and, it would have to be yeah those separations and which is why yeah. it would sort of if it was a cpo and the cst as a new deal and then that was a that would make sense but then it it would be separate from the two of them as well because they'll just be shareholders in the new entity or in yeah. the thing that's it's doing but yeah in the consortium uh be like a cfc charitable trust for example just bitballing here they created a new entity that's owned and run by the by the cpo and has people from the cst in there because i'm sure there's a cross-section membership of those two organizations anyway yeah, a huge cross section. Huge, huge cross section. So definitely, um, the that could work. Um, and like the sheer amount of money here means they're gonna have to constantly show that they've dotted their t, yeah, crossed their t's, dotted their eyes. Uh, and it's is actually this money is being, you know, sent where it's said to be, sent. Yeah, yeah. Um. Um, and that could be a way to avoid receivership. Uh, I think, realistically, unless somebody is feeling really lucky and just going, yep, here, two and a half billion, I will prove this, blah, blah, blah. And because it was meant to be a charity, I propose, I have my own fund, it'll go into this, I'm proving it, you know? I'm yeah, setting yeah. it up. Yeah, yeah. And by all means, the British government can run this fund, pay, you know, use the money I've put in this fund to set up to run it and make sure the money goes to the right people. Yeah, you know? yeah. Whatever. Um, 
because it'll because it's officially going to become one of the largest charities in the world like you know like instantaneously <laughs> yes exactly whatever this charity is whatever however they do it it's just yeah yeah have two odd even billion with dollars. a billion dollars it's going to be going to be one of the yeah. which is why i think in this situation even if the government agree if abramovich agrees that the something like the Twitch owners and the CST are can quote-unquote own the club for a billion dollars and this money doesn't have to be paid right away up front. It can be a loan, quote-unquote, interest-free because yeah. the PCP are already paying back a debt and this is an interest-free debt. Um, and basically... A, the terms and conditions is whatever, like maybe something like ten percent of match day revenue and ten percent of TV rights revenue and yeah, yeah. prize, you know, prize pool revenue goes towards and or even ten percent of gross revenue for the club before you take anything out. Yeah, for has to be uh, put into this charitable trust for ongoing. You know, charities in Ukraine and charitable activities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, till X number they, of years, like yeah. They could even sell through the Barcelona route and you know, not have a shirt sponsor and have their charity as the shirt sponsor because Three's um, suspended their sponsorship sponsorship anyway. Yeah. So yeah. they could go that route to be like, and you know, that would you know, shirt sponsor for the next yeah whatever five years, ten years, whatever the period of time needs to be to to fulfill the monetary side of it as well it's like well yeah yeah we have the the charity's name on the shirt for as long as that we are paying that and doing yeah. that that thing and that can be renegotiated if getting a sponsor means a charity gets more money that year for yeah, yeah. things like yeah spitballing obviously here well it, it um, could be up to the charity right the charity could then yeah. on sell the rights Mm. In year blocks or three year blocks or whatever, and yeah, get they they get the spot the shirt sponsorship money for on selling it. So it's actually their yeah something they have control over. Then like either it's the charity's name up there, or they on sell it to some other company, and that name should be up there. But the money doesn't go to Chelsea; the money goes to the charitable trust or that charity. Yeah, I mean, I do think that. Like I said, I like this idea. It's obviously I don't know how plausible it is, but I don't think it's been more plausible to do something like this at Chelsea than now. Yeah. Or will ever be for that yeah. matter. I say I'm hopeful that the interim solution with the the CPO and the C um ST sort of at least can be set up to allow us to continue running as a club for the season. But I do like this model as an ongoing one where it's yeah, you say it brought from a, a a set up a charitable trust that you know technically it's a loan but not really it's just we're going to pay money into that over time and that's the yeah. the three billion because it's going there yeah and or maybe not even yeah. three billion even like whatever you know, it is yeah. five years if it's a, a one uh a billion dollars will add up you know over time like yeah that's yeah. reasonable yeah and chelsea I was just using a I continue doing that relationship with the charity, going, yep, that's part of our club identity now. We do this. 
yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like I'm not saying that'll happen. I'm just saying like that could end up being a, a thing. It and could like be a thing, Roman yeah. Abramovich, I think, would be even more favorable or something like because that even makes his legacy at Chelsea even better. Yeah. Chelsea fans can do all the things that Barca fans did back in the day. Like it's more than just a club. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be the new Barcelona. <laughs> uh, be careful what you wish for there, huh? <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah, that that might be a a multi sided um edge sword there. Yep, yep. But yes. A supporter owned bid for Chelsea? Um, not as an ongoing thing as such, but more as the interim solution and then setting up the process by like or we'll have setting up the trust. Yeah. Well, setting up a charity that's then going to thing and be like, and then managing yeah. the sale process. But I imagined yeah. that someone else would buy it off them, not that they would just mm. be like, well, actually, we're going to put, you say, ten percent, fifteen percent of revenue into that charity and pay off the, yeah, you know, and the sale price gets sold out over ten years or seven years or whatever time period it it works out at, which is actually a pretty interesting way of doing it. And then yeah, just leverage you know say 40 percent stock um, and because the they're in charge or... of the charity if they're having a particularly bad year where they can't afford to and they're yeah. making actual losses like a gross loss i mean yeah. not a loss um then the charity you know the, they won't be needing to donate that money to the charity yeah they can just um, extend the because it's more in the payout period yeah, yeah extend the period like we can't you know, the charity, we need to pay the charity until X number of dollars has been paid to the, the yeah. charity. And then after that, as an on, you know, as I say, it could be an ongoing thing or not, but there's yeah. a X amount that has to be paid. You know, if we, charity votes to extend that by, you know, to not take the money this year and be like, well, next year we just continue on and everything gets extended out of the year, then so be it. And if it happens to be all the same people once again, you know, oh, well, so be it. That's just how it goes. But, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think with that being said, that's all we have time for today. Fine. Yeah. Yes, and hopefully a little bit in chat as well on the Discord. Yeah, yeah. Um, hope you all have enjoyed. Um, and keep safe, and we will hear from you all next time. Catch you later.